Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bonneau, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. So my guest today is Carrie Fox. She's Fox, sorry. She's the founder and CEO of Mission Partners, a social impact communications agency and certified big corporation and a nationally recognized leader in social impact communications. Thank you for joining us, Carrie. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks, Tatiana. So glad to be here. So let's start with my classic first question. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you get to do what you do today? Oh, Tatiana, I think I was made for social impact. I've been focused on service and thinking about how I can leave this world better than I found it since I was a little kid. My mom used to say, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And that is so true in how I run my company. I started my first company when I was 25. I often say before I knew any better. And I've had the entrepreneurship bug ever since. (laughs) And why... uh... Why that? Why why social? Like, like what was you? You did say you you started thinking about that line, which is kind of a, actually a interesting thing at that age. I mean, kids, without wanting to offend anyone, I have four myself, but they're usually quite selfish. <laughs> well, I was I was quite selfish too. Um, I'm sure my my mom would <laughs> would reinforce that. You know, it's funny, Tatiana. I I had some early experiences that made me think I wanted to work for a nonprofit. And for many years, I thought that was the only path. If you wanted to do good, you worked for a nonprofit. Until I got to college and realized that you could actually do both. You could run a mm. company that actually had a social impact, that that left things better than you found them. And that was this wonderful calling I had to start a company and think about how to use business as a force for good. I was running my company like a B corporation before I even knew what a B corporation was. Mm. And, and so then several years into running my first company, when I learned about the B Corp movement, I actually made a very unexpected decision, but I shut down my first company to start all over again and to build it up from that place of formally becoming a benefit corporation. So we have now been a benefit corporation since 2017 and talk about branding. It has been enormous to our own company growth and our individual growth to have that B Corporation uh, name and mark associated with Mission Partners. Mm. Now you're touching on something that's like in my line of work. And that's even before I got into domain names, because now I work with domain names as brand assets. I hear the same uh, thing I often heard before that when I was working in IT and web development uh, and generally in marketing and branding, you hear that a lot uh, where 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 people would go, oh, we, we don't need to, like we don't do marketing, we don't do branding, we're non-profit. What are your thoughts on that? I think everyone has a role for marketing and branding, right? Communications is central to everything we do. And I don't say that because I run a communications firm, but if we think about all of the ways that we have to connect with one another, to whether that is to formally sell our products or to have an impact in the world, it starts first with how we communicate one-on-one and mm. then one-to-many. And so many times I think leaders underestimate the power that communications can have in driving their business. Mm. Absolutely. So tell me a bit more about what, what do you do at Mission Partners? 
Well, I run the day-to-day operations. I'm the founder and CEO, but helping to learn to lead and grow the social impact communications firm. We now work with the majority of our clients are nonprofits and foundations. And so I'm still doing that work. I thought about doing as a kid, but we're coming in as their thought partners, right? We are literally their mission partners. We are walking and working right alongside nonprofit leaders across the globe who are thinking about how do we move forward really complicated missions? And we use communications as the tool to help them do that. Sometimes that's helping them think about how they communicate their story through many different storytelling uh, tools. Sometimes it's helping them communicate and navigate through very difficult moments in time or crises. And so there's a number of different ways that we help them, but it all comes back to communications, both internal and external communications. Right. That actually just gave me another question. But before I get into it, talk to me a little bit more about the naming, the choice of naming mission partners. Why mission partners? Yes. So Tatiana, I mentioned I had a first company that was called C Fox Communications. (laughs) Big surprise there. My first initial and last name. I decided that 13 years in, I didn't want my name on the door. I wanted the company to be about more than me. And so we decided when we were going to to go ahead with the name Mission Partners, we were delighted when we went to go find our domain name. One, missionpartners.com was taken, but then I realized we could be mission.partners and how much of a differentiator that could be for us. And it has been... Mm. When folks see that domain, they pause and they say, wow, that's cool. That's different. That's memorable. And that's the thing that I have loved about it, that it reinforces we're not a traditional business, traditional.com, and we're not a traditional nonprofit.org. We are truly dot partners. And we've been able to use that domain as a core asset as part of our marketing strategy. I have to say, I work with domain names. And until this conversation, I actually didn't even know there is a dot partners extension. Yes. Yes. It worked <laughs> in our advantage. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And we had a quick chat before we started the recording. Um, and you mentioned you also have carry folks, you have your own name as a .com domain. And that's something I've been noticing more and more people doing. And I think it's, um, related to that whole movement of, um, uh, people being a lot more conscious and aware of who is behind the brands, who is behind the companies that they deal with. Like everybody is looking for the person, and a lot more entrepreneurs are becoming, whether they like it or not, personal uh, brands, if you like. Um, so, talk to me a bit about that. Like, how did you and why did you get to mm. your your name in .com? Thanks for the question. It was a great piece of advice that I received a few years ago when I was writing my most recent book that someone said to me, oh, are you going to have your book live on carryfox.com? And I said, no, I don't think so. I think my book will live on my company website. They said, well, think about owning it no matter what and having it redirected to your site, because don't forget that that is an extension of your brand. And what you wouldn't want to do is have someone else take on carryfox.com and have it be something that goes against your brand. And so Mm. carryfox.com redirects to my own website where you can find my book and you can listen to the podcast. So we don't actively promote carryfox.com, 
but to have the asset as a tool in order to protect and manage the brand, right? To get ahead of any potential issue down the road was really, it was, it was insurance for us to be able to mm. own and manage that. Absolutely. And I think that's a good takeaway for anyone listening up and great way to think about generally your personal and, and brand and your business is that thinking ahead attitude. And we're actually just finishing, I'm not sure it's even published yet, um, an article on creatively using domain names. So that goes beyond just, you know, getting the domain name for your brand or for your book in your case that goes like into thinking about what else can you do with it like one of the reasons to register a domain could be that exactly that to protect your brand and you know protect it from anybody else getting it but there's so many ways in in brands using domains creatively especially big brands there's like the really fun things you can do with it yes Yes, I completely agree. Often when we have a brainstorm at Mission Partners, if we're thinking about starting a new product, one of the first things we will do is go look for that domain and just hold it. And ultimately we might let it go if we don't need it, but that is such an early part of the process for us is to make sure that we can have access to that domain. Mm. You just mentioned the book. Tell me, uh, I know you, I think that there is the uh, More Than Words book. That's correct. So, so it's, a bit it's called about, a bit about that. Yeah, it's called More Than Words and it's the communications practices of courageous leaders. So I've been doing this work now Tatiana for about 20 years and I have learned after working with so many executives across nonprofits and corporations that the most courageous leaders have four things in common. And so the book has those four practices and stories and tools that can help any leader or manager at any level practice them. And the reason I love the, the courageous part is, you know, we live in a world today that requires courageous leaders, requires caring leaders, requires clear leaders, right? Leaders who can communicate in a way that brings employees along or brings audiences along with them. And so the book is a collection of stories and ideas and practices that anyone can take on to become a more courageous leader. And often it's when you're in that moment, right? You're at a fork in the road moment and you need to make a decision. Will I lead this way or that way? That this book is designed to help you build your own map, right? Decide who you are, what you value, and how you will show up in the world as a courageous leader. So it's not just for people who work in the nonprofit space. No, it's not. We were very intentional when I wrote it and thought about the stories that there are stories in there from the CEO of Slack, who actually no longer is the CEO, but when he was founder and CEO, biggest company in the world, the unicorn company. And so there's stories about how he led. And then there are also stories about how many nonprofits lead. Mm. Wonderful. Um, talk to me about you. You just mentioned you've been in this space for like 20 years now. How has it changed over time? How do you feel it has evolved? I think often about the role of technology and how it has evolved and how information spreads and how misinformation spreads and how mm. 20 years ago, we took a lot for granted in terms of the stories we told and what we believed was true or not true in how much of a story we understood and how much we never actually got to hear. If we think about the, the way um, history has told stories, there is an awareness and an attention and a fullness to the way we tell stories now that while there is certainly 
a significant increase in mis- and disinformation, there's also a significant increase in people who are questioning and challenging information. Yeah. And so that's a good thing too. But I, I certainly think the biggest, most distinct change in this industry has been the role of technology. Mm, absolutely. Have you felt uh, international, international artificial intelligence affecting your work? Oh, how? absolutely. And it's so fascinating, Tatiana. I track it very closely, how agencies are using it and broadly communicators are using it. I heard someone a few months ago, she's a very well-known nonprofit consultant, say, you know, fully lean into AI, artificial intelligence. You don't need to hire a communications firm anymore. Artificial intelligence can be your solution. I really question that advice because I think about AI as augmented intelligence, a, mm. a concept that actually came up from um, the founder of Ideo many years ago. The difference between replacing humans with technology to augmenting humans with technology, mm. right? We will always need human communication. We will always need to have human connection. The beauty of AI is it can simplify our work and simplify our lives. But if we take it for granted, we start to actually forget what we know, right? We forget who we are because we're leaning too heavily on technology. And so anytime I hear someone saying, um, you know, we're, we're turning into robots. We're leaning too much on technology. I think that's a good reminder that we are human first and AI is a wonderful supplement to do our work. We should all be using it and understanding it, but let's not use it so much that we actually lose our ability to think for ourselves. Mm, absolutely agree with you on that. And I think that's a very good term to use augment, augmenting which really come when it's, you know it comes down to the input as well so if you don't really know how to do your job well it's not going to save you because you're not going to be able to do the right prompts to get that's exactly you know, right response. right and you and i both were in what i think about as the knowledge industry right we we all of our work is in our brain that's our most valuable asset in this work and so if we lean too heavily on technology, we will put mm. ourselves out of a job. But the knowledge Absolutely. we have in our head and how we analyze information and share information, and make connecting dots between information, a computer can't replace that. Mm. And I think in a way, actually, um, it, it, it does what I feel happened with domains a little bit where um, at the beginning there was that you know, oh, we have social networks and nobody's going to need domain names. Nobody's going to need websites. We're all going to build social networks. And then people quickly realize, yeah, that's fun, it's fun, but you don't have control over social networks and they change and their rules and the algorithm. So you should still have, you know, your website and your domain name, which is, you know, the thing you control on your mail list and all that. Then there was like, oh, there's apps and they're going to kill domain names. And there's, um, I don't know, whatever, the browsers and the search engines and everything. And it's been 40 years Literally, mm -hmm. the internet is 40 years old. The main, the main names are as old. Mm -hmm. And if anything, it all of those developments have actually made them more important. And I feel it's very similar what you just said. The more we get that artificial content, especially the one that's done badly, but unfortunately it's flooding everywhere. Like I think, you know, we can all recognize it in emails, in social media. It makes you appreciate even more authentic 
content. That's exactly right. Yes. Great point. Yes, I agree. So on that, if we were to say, okay, that's a mistake. Don't do that. Don't just, you know, do like splashing uh, robotic content. Mm. What are the, some of the mistakes that you notice that uh, in your field people make? Mm. It's somewhat related, but it is taking information for granted or taking process mm. for granted, right? That there are certain norms in how we communicate, whether that be inside a given culture or inside a given country or society that limit our ability to connect across divides. And so the great opportunity I think we have as individual communicators, but also professional communicators is what I often think about as check your bias. Think about those, mm. the most common ways you communicate. Who are you communicating to or with and who are you leaving out? Who are you forgetting about? And so making sure that you are communicating with the widest set of audiences as possible. One very simple way to think about that is to ensure that your website is fully accessible to someone who may have a visual impairment. Uh, and so making sure that you're using every tool you can to ensure that your message is reaching and connecting with the widest audience. Mm, that's a great point. And I think a lot of people underestimate that. Or it's not even a conscious thing. They just don't think about it. That's it's right. Not, it's not on the list. Yeah, that's right. We communicate based on how we understand information. Mm. So it's a great reminder to always pause and ask your community, ask your audience, is this the way we are communicating? Is it working for you? And making sure that you're learning and applying that learning how you communicate. Great point. You mentioned earlier you have people who reach out to you when they're in crisis. What mm -hmm. would be, so that's one way or one moment where they reach out to you. What is the best time to reach out to you? The majority of folks reach out to me when they are in a moment of transition. So they may be thinking there is a new strategic direction. We want to take this organization or we are preparing for a merger or an acquisition or a rebrand. But it's often those fork in the road moments I mentioned to you earlier, where we get the most need because you know this, and I'm sure that your audience knows this, that's when folks struggle the most to communicate is if you are mm. navigating change. Uh, and so that's where we step in. We help leaders, we help organizations navigate through the change using communications as that tool. Mm. Is there um, like, so that's when, when there, there is the change happening or when there is a crisis, obviously, if you're just launching, if you're just starting out, is that the right time to reach out to you or do you need to be a bit more established and have a better idea of, of what the organization is and where, it, where it's going in order to engage you? Great question. Absolutely. We support folks who are very early and thinking about a big idea they have, and they're trying to think about how to bring that big idea to market. In those cases, we're often working with organizations on then identifying and articulating what is your mission? What is your vision? What is your values? Getting what I like to think about as the foundation of the house built so that as you grow as an organization, everything else can grow on top of that. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important. And it, it goes back to what we were saying uh, earlier, that thinking forward and thinking ahead and, and yeah. strategizing and planning. That's 
That sounds very simple, but I think a lot of people miss that out. Right, right. And it's very easy to get caught up in what is right in front of us. And so to mm. be able to pause on what is right in front of us and think a few steps out and then plan backwards for how to get there, you will always be more effective. Mm, absolutely. It reminds me of my programming days, which is very funny, but it has really stuck with me and served me well in a lot of other areas because I haven't been like programming for a long, long time. But when I was, and you would sit uh, and discuss a project with, with, with an entrepreneur who has an idea, because you know how hard it is once you laid out that foundation in code, to change it and the more it grows the more complex it gets the more like every moving piece can make something else fall to pieces very quickly you learn to like ask questions about like how do you see that like 10 years or five years ahead and people are like why do you care it's like no I, I do i do care because you know it depends on on those answers how i'm going to build that foundation even if you're not going to use that now right and it's, yeah Right. Someone said something to me very early on, probably my first year of business. It was a, uh, an accountant. He said, build your company as if you're a $500,000 company, even if you're only $50,000 in your first year. Mm. So set the foundation to grow into because then you'll literally have the space to grow versus always re-engineering the foundation. Mm. And I think it also helps you make decisions along the way it becomes much easier when you have that vision, even if it like seems like you're never going to get it. And maybe you will never get there. Maybe you'll change, you know, halfway through or whatever, right. but it does really make decisions easier. Right. I agree. Last question. No, before last question, I want to, I, I looked at the website before I got on the call and I saw uh, the um, another book that you have written with your daughter. Tell me yes. a tiny bit about that. Yes, we wrote a book called Adventures in Kindness. It's 52 adventures that kids can take to build a better world. My daughter and I wrote it together when she was 10. She was witnessing some folks who were mean and didn't understand how people could be so mean in certain situations. And so I asked her what the opposite of mean would look like. And she experienced or, or described kindness. And so I said, well, why don't we go on some kindness adventures? Let's go spread the opposite of mean. And those kindness adventures became the basis of a book. It was released in early 2020, actually right before the COVID pandemic. It became a tool that people were using all over the world. Grandparents were connecting with their grandchildren. Kids were using it in schools and in churches were using it as a wonderful tool to bring people together over something good when everything felt so hard around us. And it's interesting. I was just thinking about it earlier today. The audience for the book is kids, but it's designed to be as much of a tool for parents and adults too. Because mm. what I find is that kindness is like a muscle, right? And when you don't use it, just like when you're not lifting your weights at the gym, that muscle will not grow. And over time, mm. the muscle will just completely deplete. And so practicing kindness, really intentional kindness, going beyond opening the door, saying please and thank you, is just as important for a child to do as they are growing and learning skills of empathy as it is for us adults to do. So mm. Adventures in Kindness, it's a great book. I'm so proud of it. And um, 
it's a it's a wonderful thing for both adults and kids. Lovely. I'm, I'm, I did look at it very briefly before we got on the call, and I'm definitely going to look at it again because I I, I do have four kids as well, and it, it really it really seems like like a really fun and cool thing to do. Thank you. Wonderful. Last question now. Real last question since we're at the beginning of the year. What are you looking forward to in 2024? I am so looking forward to a trip to Italy this summer where I will get oh. to retrace my ancestors' footsteps. Oh, and wow. I am That's amazing. actively, yes, I am actively learning the language so that I can uh, communicate with some cousins that I have never met before in person. And that's the, the thing I'm most looking forward to. Amazing. That's really cool. That, that's wonderful. That's funny how I think that comes with age, probably. I don't know. But like I, I, I was, I, I've done similar things in the past few years and looking forward to do some more. But we, we, when we're younger, we're like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just like, da, 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 on my own. And then you're like, mm, maybe with kids, maybe it comes with kids when you realize Am you want to pass something on and, and that lineage and that history. And it, it all matters and it all makes you who you are. That's true. That's true. It's all part of us. Well, I'm glad we have that in common. And this was so fun. Thank you so much for the conversation today. Thank you too. That's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.